It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Oh yeah, the weather's getting colder outside, which means the action and the gyms are heating up. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA college basketball. The gyms are heating up, the games are getting tight, teams are starting to separate themselves, and we're here to tell you all about it. Right, Gus? Mike Randall. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Thank you to however you choose to consume the Screen the Screener podcast. We are constructing this college basketball listening experience on the evening of December 15, 2016. We hope to aid in your commute, provide distraction from your holiday to-do list, and maybe provide a slight advantage on that random, awkward sports conversation that you'll have at that holiday party. It's the season for that. It's going to happen. Use the Screen or Screener podcast to your advantage, listeners. We're, we're thankful, we're humbled, we're honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops with you, with Mike, and our ever, ever increasing audience. Hello out there, Mato Mano, 15, great shot from PA to win the game. Huge win for Lansdale Catholic. Hello out there, at Hoops Like Drazen. Love that you referenced Drazen. Total underrated net left us way too early. Um, welcome to the ever-expanding audience, you guys. We're so happy to have you on board for the Screen the Screener podcast. And folks, we're going to start by dedicating this podcast to a great basketball personality, great announcer that has passed away, we've learned today, Craig Sager has passed away after his long and courageous bout with cancer kept working. Remember reading something, Gus, about how he was still driving hours to games. He really just motivated, got everyone just so, you know, incredibly feeling good about his positive nature in such a difficult struggle. So we do want to dedicate this podcast to someone who loved basketball just as much as we did, Craig Sager. And I think we can take from Craig Sager the enjoyment that he took to present his appearance on television, that he still took joy to do that even while being very, very sick. And he did that for the audience. He did that for the viewers. Um, he was unbelievably selfless in his fight against cancer. And if you're not going to copy that or model that, I don't know what you're going to copy or model as a person. Craig Sager leaves us at the age of 65, and Valvano said it best, right? Cancer can take my body, but it can't take my spirit, and it can't take my mind. And Craig Sager showed that better than anyone. We were going to miss those suits, my friend, and we are dedicating this to you. And we will bring the passion that you brought to announcing and unified so many people 
uh, in this fight against cancer. So, so cheers to you, Craig Sager. Shalasha, Craig Sager. Shalasha. How about Mike Randall? We start talking some basketball, just like Craig Sager would like to do. Darn right. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You know who's going to bat lead off for us tonight in the news and notes? Who do we got? News and notes from the hardwood. Let's talk some Seton Hall basketball. Ah, right here in New Jersey, represent. Sounds good to me. We're going to go to the Seton Hall 67, South Carolina 64 win by the Hall. Uh, South Carolina is ranked number 16. But, Gus, I have some thoughts on that, uh, about that game, because they were missing a huge person on the South Carolina team who's been just such a, an incredible player for them this year. Um, after you know what's leaking out now that it may have been something with a, a drug or alcohol issue, that's why it was suspended. Uh, Coach Frank Martin said it was bad judgment. Uh, Sindarius Thornwell did not play in this game, uh, but Seton Hall did win 67-64. So what did you see, Gus? What do you think about this one? So even with losing that leading scorer, they're still a ranked team. They're still a Big Five team. They're still an SEC team. The Hall was coming off huge back-to-back wins. They took down Cal out in Hawaii. Now a ranked South Carolina teams. Desi Rodriguez finished it off with 20 seconds to go with a put-back layup. Uh, now South Carolina was at without its leading score due to suspension. But you know what we're going to say here? A win is a win. Delgado provided his now usual double-double. And speaking of double-doubles, there's a bunch of other regulars at the double-double table. We got DJ Lawson from Memphis. Emile Jefferson from Duke. Kendrick Williams, a guard, 6-7 guard from TCU, is in the double-double club thus far this year. Love the Horn Frog. Our guy, Caleb Swanigan from Purdue, of course. Um, Josh Hawkins, Washington State, little West Coast love. Your guy, Bonzi Colson from Notre Dame. And how about Tim Kempton from Lehigh and Eric Fawcett Original? P.S., he only had 21 and 11 in another win on on Monday night. Did you hear that list that Gus just rattled off for you? Listen, get up now, go to your Twitter account, and follow him at ckearns12. Follow the darn podcast at SDS Podcast, or follow me at Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike. That's the sort of knowledge that Gus brings. I just want you to be aware. That that list that he just rattled off, I don't think there's anybody in the country. I'd like to have Jay Billis on the podcast, see if he can rattle off that list against Gus. Great list there. Uh that's fine company that Delgado's keeping right there. He might find his way onto the first team all big east if he keeps keeps this up. You know who the other Hall player we need to mention who's been a little bit under the radar? Miles Powell. 6-2, frosh guard. He kind of seems like he might be the real deal. Now, right now he's coming off the bench. We think that he's going to be a first-team all-big-east frosh performer. But Powell may be the third, maybe the fourth behind Carrington um, scoring option that every team needs. The Hall are worth watching. They are going to be good. And you know what they're going to do, too? They're going to defend that Big East tourney title every game that they're on the court. So they're not going to lay down easy for anybody in the Big East. Yeah, I'm going to go a different way with Seton Hall here. Uh, Gus, I, I get what you're saying, and I want it to be true because I'm a local guy. But I'm not buying Seton Hall. All right? I want to hear from you Pirate fans out there. Interesting. Uh, listen, Kevin Willard coached at Iona for three years. He left after what he was 21-10 and 10 season, and he was third place in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Fine. 
He's entering his sixth season last year at Seton Hall, and he was one of the coaches who was on the proverbial hot seat. Okay, he was eighty-two and eighty after five seasons at Seton Hall. That doesn't cut it. Last year, great year, third in the regular season, Big East tournament champs. They beat Villanova. Villanova won the title. They lost in the six eleven game to Gonzaga, though. A little disappointing. I mean, I don't think Gonzaga's good, but when you win the Big East. You kind of think that you're going to make a run there. You, I think everybody thought that game was going to be a little bit more competitive than it turned out to be. Yeah, and it, and a lot of people had that Seton Hall team picked, maybe I did as well, to go a little further. Uh, so that's cooled me on them a little bit because they were playing Utah in the second round, Yaka Pertle. I thought they could push them around a little bit. So the, the win lost a little luster to me. You're beating a South Carolina team that's undefeated. They're not undefeated. They didn't have Sundarius Thornwell, 6'5 guard. Thornwell's averaging 18.7 points, 6.7 rebounds, 4.1 assists. He's 88 from the free throw line. He's 48% from three-point range. It's not the same thing. He's a little mini lotto, isn't he? R- right. So you're losing a huge player there. All right. So he's a big-time player that's not the same team. So now they're going to come up here to New York and play Seton Hall in what was basically a backyard home game, and they need a Desi Rodriguez layup in the waiting seconds to win, they have three very solid players. Carrington, 20 points per game, Rodriguez, Delgado, all juniors. And if you have three solid scorers who are upperclassmen, you're going to be pretty good. Gus said it best. Powell the Frosh looks really good. I just don't know if I'm on the Seton Hall bandwagon. I'm sorry about that. Two losses in Florida. They lost to the Florida Gators in Florida. I can excuse that. They lost to Stanford in Florida. I can't excuse that. Seton Hall, you show me something. December 28th, you're at Creighton. I'll be watching. Mike Randall will be watching. Let me see what you got. Ooh. Mike Randall throwing out throwing out the gauntlet. And gauntlet! Saying, and saying, hey, Seton Hall, step up your game and show me something in an impossible place to play in Creighton. I want, Just, I want John Morton. I want Andrew Gaze. I want Ramon Ramos. Bring P.J. Carlissimo back. I want to see this team show me something at Creighton. Ramon Ramos. Nice. I like it. Hey, uh, we're going to bring up uh, – I know we're leaving New Jersey, but I'm going to use a, a, a Jersey reference here and just go a little Bruce Springsteen on everybody. Oh. Um, and the ringmaster gets the crowd to sing along. 95, 96, 97. You think, why are we saying 97? Why are we singing the Bruce? Why are we singing uh, Bruce Springsteen? Michigan puts up 97 points on Central Arkansas. Um they rebounded just fine after that UCLA loss. Um, they put up a school record, 19 threes in this game. And our guy who we mentioned in the UCLA game, um, in the little rundown, Mo Wagner, had 18 and 7. Two of those made threes, and he's a full 6'10". Think Ethan Happ, maybe with a little bit more range. Quite the compliment. Maybe a little lesser presence on O and D in the post. Just a warning here, Nation. Look out for Mo. Coach Beeline will have his team in the Big Ten mix, uh, all, Big Ten mix all year and be a live team come March. Here's the team that you can bring up at that holiday party situation where you're in that awkward conversation and maybe you're talking to a sports guy. Um, say, hey, you know what? I really like this Michigan team this year. I know they're unranked right now. You'll look pretty smart come March. Um, Maybe you're stuck in that conversation because you're a nice guy and you're easy to talk to. But do me a favor. Spread the good word on Michigan here. 
Gus is right on. Instead of looking to get that coworker that you don't have a chance with to stand under the mistletoe, bring up Michigan because that's a better shot. And I'm going to tell you why as well. Because put the oven on 350, I'm warm in Michigan. And I'll, it started when uh, they played very well at UCLA. I thought that would be a destruction. UCLA come off the win in Lexington. And all of a sudden, I'm watching it, and as Gus said, it was 50-50 at the half. Ultra competitive for the first half. Yeah. Beeline has a very interesting thing going on in Ann Arbor. He's got four players on that team right now that have over 43-point attempts. And by the way, we haven't even hit the new year yet. Derek Walton Jr. has attempted 66. Zach Irvin, 52. Duncan Robinson, 51. And Abdul Rahman with 43. Duncan can shoot it, by the way. And Walton, Irvin, and Robinson are all senior guards. How do you win in March with strong guard play. They are dangerous. This is a dangerous team here. The Big Ten, you want to talk about Indiana, you want to talk about Wisconsin, Purdue. They've sort of separated themselves early on as the favorites, but be careful. You got an eight and three team Michigan, losses at South Carolina. Hey Kevin Willard, that was with Thornwell, by the way, twenty one and ten. At home to an underrated Buzz Williams Virginia Tech team that I think we have to start talking more about. Always live. And then at UCLA 102.84, no shame there. UCLA is really good. We know that. Senior guards that can make threes with a great coach. <laughs> Smells like a March sleeper to me. Don't forget the last three years, Michigan, what they've done. 2014 with Trey Burke championship game. 2015 in the Elite Eight. Last year they won the first four against Tulsa and they played very, very tough against a good Notre Dame team. I am warming. Heat it up. It's not chocolate chip cookies. It's me in there with Michigan. I like them. Please bring them up at your holiday party or in that random sports conversation. You heard it here first on the Screen the Screener podcast. Can I get you a drink? And by the way, what do you think of Zach Irvin? It could work. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work in the pickup line. No chance. Especially underneath the mistletoe. No <laughs> chance, Mike Rand. No chance. Didn't work on my wife. It's not working here. <laughs> Hey, you know where I want to go next? Although, to be fair, yes. on the first date with my wife, yeah. we did talk about J.J. Reddick. <laughs> that wow, is a really? true story. You're yes. kidding me. Yes, we were having our first drink. There was a Duke game on, and we had some side conversation on J.J. Reddick. While, by the way, I ordered calamari, which I hate, just because I couldn't find anything on the menu. But, but that's a side story. Nice atmosphere that there was a game on in the background. She said, oh, you can leave the Duke game on. I go, well, we got to get married. It was that simple. All right. <laughs> Wow. I think you just summed up the courting experience in about 10 seconds right there. Yes. And speaking of courting experiences, while you also can court your future wife, sometimes you have to be courted to get into the NCAA tournament. And listen mm. up, NCAA selection team. Listen hard. Because you messed up last year. Yes, and sir. And we don't want you to mess up again. Monmouth 82, Memphis 79. Oh, that was in Memphis, by the way. They're going out, Gus, and they're playing teams again. Now, I don't want to hear it from all the naysayers out there, okay, Mike from Fairlawn, telling me that, oh, it's Memphis, they're not Duke. Yes, because Duke won't play Monmouth, okay? They have to go and hunt teams to play. They do. Uh, You said it. Talk about Justin Robinson. You're a huge Justin Robinson. So we need to have this conversation. Justin Robinson needs to be included in maybe not the yearly, but maybe it needs to be yearly conversation of the best college basketball player six foot or under in the whole entire nation obviously it's going to start with marcus Keene from central michigan he's only 5'9 he's a nation leading scorer he's averaging over 30 points a game jack gibbs needs to be thrown in there yes he's listed at six foot but is anybody buying that he's really six feet tall he's averaging over 24 points a game throw him in the conversation as well jonathan stark murray state 20 plus points a game hey check this out another jersey guy 
Damian Lynn from NJIT, 22 points a game and 90% from the line. There's loads of New Jersey guys in here that are sub, sub, sub six foot that belong in this conversation. Justin Robinson is one of those guys. Justin Robinson won this game. He's won games for them in the past. He is tough as nails. You do not think that he is a, uh, a five foot nine point guard. Uh, when you see him play on the court, he plays much taller than that. Um, oh, and you know what we need to throw in there? We need to throw in Dwayne Johnson, uh, Dwayne Russell from Grand Canyon. He's averaging over 20 points a game. He now played, Division One, by the way. Um, welcome to Division One. Uh, Dan Marley, the coach there, is that correct? Uh, yes, Dan Marley is the coach at Grand Canyon, and I still haven't forgiven him because Charles Barkley never won a title. You guys all remember the bench mob last year on SportsCenter, but this win provides evidence that King Rice and Mammoth are here to stay and just might make the tourney in March. After a narrow, narrow miss last year, Mike, do you have a defense and a reason why Mammoth needs to make the tournament this year after this win at Memphis? Uh, yeah, Mammoth is basically my child at this point because the the angst that I get when I'm watching them is very, very real. Uh, Mammoth is playing Memphis. Uh, they're going up and down the court. They had the game. They're playing well. And I'm panicking because they're making a little bit of sloppy plays. I'll give you an example, Gus. Mammoth and I love them. And I want them in the tournament. King Rice, the whole thing. They're up three. They get a stop on Memphis in Memphis with two minutes left. They're, Robinson's coming down on a two-on-two break. You know what you do? You do clock and you do score. You're in the bonus. You're up three. This is a big road win. You want to get in the tournament because the NCAA won't let you in unless you win at Duke and Kentucky and UCLA and you're about to win at Memphis. And they do a little bit of the attack the basket, reverse layup, I'm not looking, and Memphis gets the ball back. And I have to tell you, I think at that point I almost had a stroke. I think it was close because I like they're going to blow this game. <laughs> But listen, we know Mammoth got screwed last year. They were 27-7, and 17-3 in conference, regular season champions. They lost right. a really tough three-point game with Iona for the title. And Iona was really good last Iona year. Iona was really good. Totally agree. And I remember saying to you, as soon as it happened, they should make the tournament as a travesty if they don't because they you cannot tell these small conference teams, oh, you have to win the regular season and you can't ever mess up because if you don't, you don't get in. And, I, and, and can you can you just read the list of the teams that they beat last year? Oh, they, they, they won at UCLA to start the year. Hello. Crazy. crazy. Uh, I'm sure, you know. Coach is sitting there right now thinking Alfred's thinking uh, maybe we shouldn't have scheduled them. Then they beat ND and USC in Florida. They had the great win at Memphis this year. They played tough non-conference opponents. They lost on a buzzer beater at South Carolina, again with Thornwell, 23 points. Uh, this was a nice win against a Memphis team that already beat Iowa. Okay, so Memphis is legit. Yeah. Mammoth's 9-2. and two. They're headed to play UNC in Chapel Hill at this point. We think Joe Barry will be back for that game. On December 28th. How great is December 28th, by the way? Um, great star for Mammoth. Put them in the tournament. Oh, man. You know what? They, I think everybody agreed that there was a mistake made that they weren't in the tournament uh, last year. And you know what they're doing? They're doing the exact same thing again. And they're going to cause the exact same angst that was caused last year if they don't get in the tournament again and they keep doing what they did last year. My argument is that the smaller teams in the smaller conferences have to go out and play people. I don't want to put them in if they play non-conference schedules that are patsies. I understand that. But they were 27-7. and seven. They were 17-3 and three in conference. I don't want mediocre, large school teams in that are 8-8 eight and eight in conference. I don't want that. 
you're basically, this is a team that got to the finals. They didn't lose in the first round of their conference tournament. They got to the finals and lost by three points. That should get them in over. I don't want mediocre large schools. I want small schools that are dominant, which they were. But they'll get in this year, so don't worry about it. Go Mammoth. Do you need to go, do we need to go visit and, and just make you feel a little bit better about things? Because it seems like you're a little bit on edge here. Do we need to talk about your guys, Baylor, a tiny bit over Southern? Number four, Baylor over Southern. Um, our guy, John Mat- Motley, had a tidy 20 points, 10 boards in just 25 minutes. That's what we're going to call Josh Hart type of efficiency, folks. And who deals with a post-game interview better than Motley? If you haven't seen this on video yet, you can view it on Google or on ESPN or CBS. Um, he's on the radio interview, and all of his teammates come over and are, are physically heckling him uh, uh, during the interview. And you know what? Motley didn't skip a beat. He acted like a complete professional. Very impressed with Motley's game. More impressed with his interview after the game. Grab the periodic table. That's chemistry, my friends. This joyful behavior parallels UCLA's that we mentioned last year uh, on the last podcast. And, oh, man, uh, Manu, our guy, eight dimes, a Hoops Weiss favorite. King McClure came off the bench with ten. Mike Randall, guru, final four selection, rolls on in another win. <sighs> Still ranked behind Bill Self in Kansas, huh? Six pers- first place votes in the AP. Kansas has none. But all those managers that are voting Kansas because it's Kansas. It's Fog Allen, right? Kansas beat a decimated Duke team by two without Giles and Tatum. That's a game they started Chase Jeter in. But that's better than beating VCU, Michigan State, Louisville, and Xavier, huh? I'm agitated. Let's just move on. I love that you are so married to this Baylor Final Four pick that it gets you so aggravated every time we bring it up. Chase Jeter, 4-4. Four and four, Big win for Kansas. But they lost to Indiana, who lost to Fort Wayne. But Baylor hasn't lost. But we're not ranking them higher than four. But they have more first place votes because some kid who's 12 years old is voting. Fine. Ooh, baby, I love it. Uh, listen, this other game I think you mentioned on Twitter... Uh, you said that you were excited. Maybe you even gave a visual that you were excited about watching this game. Not even live. You were excited to watch this game on delay on tape. Is this true? Middle Tennessee State and Belmont? I, l- I like to give a shout out on Twitter to at Lakers suck for now. That's the actual handle. Um, the gentleman uh, I wrote, um, this is I got home late, but I did tape the Middle Tennessee Belmont game and I did put a, a gif out there of a gentleman dancing. And the guy just wrote back, for real? And yes. And yes. Yeah, yes, for real. I, I'm very <laughs> excited. I actually thought about it all day long, okay? Because it's very simple, Gus. After my little Greek pita, cupcake, and milk last night. Good call. Good I, call. I watched this entire game. Yeah, not good for my cholesterol. Watched this entire game on tape delay. Middle Tennessee State is for real. They are 100% legit. They're a team that no big school wants to play. None. Zippo. Zip and Pip and Pip left town. Just Zip. They are talented inside and outside. They switch up their defense as well. The 1-3-1. High hands, active hands, gang deflections. They pressure. They trap. They are going to steamroll Conference USA. The fact that UAB, and I have not seen UAB, but sometimes 
like in poker, there's a reference, you have to go with your gut. Middle Tennessee State is going to roll Conference USA. This is pretty much the same team that beat Michigan State last year. Oh, wait a minute. I know they lost a couple guys. I know my, my guys here, but they lost shooters. They didn't lose the big guys inside. You can replace shooters. You know why? Because they have Upshaw inside, and they have another gentleman by the name of Ja'Cory Williams. And you don't know who Ja'Cory Williams is because he transferred from Arkansas, and he was averaging four points a game. But you need to know who the six foot eight, two hundred and twenty pound Jacory Williams in is. Please, please absorb these numbers yeah. on Jacory Williams. Yeah. Please. Ready? Because here you go. I'll give you the lotto numbers for tonight. 21, 22, 18, 18, 16, 31, 25, 10, 16, 13, 18. Wait a minute. Those aren't lotto numbers. Those are his points in every game this year. He's averaging over 18, almost 19 points a game, runs the floor. He hits short-range jump shots. He's got six rebounds. The reason I am so excited, Gus, about Middle Tennessee State is because they do have size inside. We know they have Giddy Potts, 50% from three-point range. Stop. It's, it's one of those numbers that makes no sense. He was in foul trouble for this game. Reggie Upshaw, who was there last year, was the leading scorer against Michigan State. He had 21 mm-hmm. points in that game. He is a future NBA player. Agreed. 14.6 per game, six rebounds, four assists. He was They were the better team throughout this entire game. It would have been an absolute travesty if they lost this game because Belmont made ridiculous three-point contested one-pass shots. Which which is the other point I was going to bring up when you were bringing up the high hands. They close out like nobody's business. They totally do. Yeah. And, and I'm watching the game, and I'm biased. Listen, nothing against Belmont. I mean, Belmont is a live team that plays that way. Bird, my, Bird, Bird is a great coach. Absolutely. No, they are. But they, that is not a team that's going to win in March because they have to make an excessive amount of threes, which, by the way, they were home. Okay, they made 12 ridiculous threes. I don't think they can replicate this on the road. Evan Brad's 6-7 forward inside. Listen, guys, he is on track for the most efficient career in the history of the NCA. Can we can we just hashtag this? Hashtag uber efficient. Yes, and you're going to say, oh, there goes Randall with another stupid rant. No, his four-year field goal percentages are 65%, 68%, 71%, and 61%. He isn't Shaq. Okay, he actually can, he's not standing under the basket. Those are impressive numbers. Um, that will work in the Ohio Valley, but the problem is I think Brad's is going to struggle like he did. Listen, he had 21 points and 16 rebounds, but he wasn't as efficient. He's going to struggle struggle against more athletic people. And Absolutely. Ba- and basically, Gus, their, their offense in that situation was just like kick out for threes. And yeah. I just think eventually it's not going to work. Um I think they're going to have to make a ludicrous amount of th- threes to win on the road. They're a live first four team. Yes. Um but by the way, the good luck against Tennessee State in the Ohio Valley when they play them, who, by the way, is the only team to beat Middle Tennessee State this year. Which is a crazy, crazy citrical story here. That's unbelievable they're actually going to match up. Yeah, Middle Tennessee State got lost to Tennessee State at home. Bad loss. Tennessee State lost to Vanderbilt, and then Middle Tennessee State pounded Vanderbilt. So I still think that the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee are the best team in Tennessee. That includes Vanderbilt, Memphis, and Belmont. Um, but I am impressed. This is a team, Gus, that no big school is going to want to play in March. Again, the game was on tape with the pita and the cupcakes. That that's the most impressive part here. Mike Randall gave you the gave you the rundown. It was incredible. They are legit good. We mentioned this uh, last podcast. You do not want to see them in your pod or in your bracket in March. 
They are live. They proved it last year, and they proved it again against Belmont on the road. Hey, you know, it's great. So then Belmont's trying to make a comeback, right? And Giddy Potts finally comes back in the game. But now they're worried about Upshaw and, J- and Ja'Cory. So then they leave Giddy Potts wide open. He gets two threes. <laughs> the, we're going to call those good quality looks. Yeah, good quality looks. 50%. Who's 50%? Jeez. Uh, all right, I, I need to take a break. You talk about Wisconsin. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. So you might think that, like, oh, we're going to talk about Wisconsin and, and Green Bay, and that's not really a big deal. Uh, on paper, this looks like another throwaway game that we might mention. And, like, what are the screen the screener guys talking about again now? But wait. As we all know, Green Bay was the Horizon League NCAA auto-bid team last year, so this was not a cupcake game for Wisconsin whatsoever. Uh, not in the least bit. It was a big test for the Badgers. They passed the test with a 20-ish point win. Our guy, Nigel Hayes, is playing much more efficient basketball. It is like he had his ears to all the criticism, and he's been out shooting less threes, being more efficient around the basket, assisting more, uh, less turnovers. Everything about his game, I think Eric Fawcett might have mentioned this, that he just needed to be more efficient and, and uh, field goal percentage-wise, turnover-wise, Guess what? He's doing it. Right on the money. Um, so the fat, past five games or so, that's right what he's been doing, and he went for over 25 again in this game. Mike Randall's favorite third option, Ethan Happ, had another double-double. You know what he did with his double-double? He ran the break a couple times. He had six assists in the game. Super impressive with Ethan, uh, with Ethan Happ. Best third scoring option in Division One. Uh, they didn't even need a big game from uh, uh, from Koenig. He only had six points, five, uh, four dimes. And you know what I found in this game, too? And this has shown up the last couple of games for Wisconsin. Trice is going to be a really nice bench player for them. And if we're going to play fortune teller here a little bit like we did the other day, I bet that he has a big game in the Big Ten for them and comes off the bench and puts up about 15, hits a couple big shots in, in a critical juncture of a game and wins a game for them on the road. I'm really impressed with him. I think he's going to give him uh, some, some, some vital points and some vital critical play uh, off the bench. Really impressed with, uh, with Trice off the bench. And you know what? Zach Schulwalter, six-plus steals in this game. You know, check your pockets, people. That guy just might come around and thief you if you're not looking – uh, really impressed with them. He's going to keep. He needs to keep it to Larceny when they go to Michigan. I can tell you that right now. Uh, <laughs> that, that's going to be a great game. A couple takeaways here. First off, I want yeah. to give a shout out uh, the Green Bay Phoenix. One of my sort of favorite teams under the radar. Always hoping they do well. I remember a few years ago, Kiefer Sykes was one oh. of my favorite players. They didn't make the tournament. They didn't. Kiefer was a tremendously quick, really great player for him. He's playing the Korean Basketball League now. So my heart is always in the, this, the mid-majors. You know that small schools. But I really like Green Bay. Can, can, do you think that Kiefer Sykes might have been one of the best under six-foot players when he played in college basketball? And unbelievable dunker. No, that, yeah, great verticality. Wow. Um, great athlete. Yeah. Kiefer and, Sykes was pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, my heart was in here. They didn't make the tournament. But, uh, and the other thing you talked about this last time, I love the development that Guard is doing with Wisconsin. Uh, I like. I think Nigel Hayes as sort of a point forward mm. distributor moving towards the, the, dare I say, Russell Westbrook triple-double sort of area. That's when they're at their best. I, I think Fawcett talked about this too when he came on the podcast. Hayes is not a 28-point scoring guy. No. He, he just – I think he has the talent. He just doesn't sure. have that mentality. So when they dissected Syracuse at home, he was catching the high post. Middle turn. of the zone. Yeah. I, I think they're at their best when Hap is the top scorer. 
and Koenig, you know, also have hot and cold games. But when Hayes is just very involved, not in foul trouble, he really mm. is the point forward for that team. And that's when they're at their best. And you saw a lot of that recently. I think it's going to work well for him. I think that's why a bunch of people have uh, projected him for first-team All-American. And I think now the last five games or so he's playing that way um hey you know what we're gonna do we're gonna give you a hundred point club alert 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 there's been a hundred points scored after i miss the mocks on our pyramid old school game show it was a tough round first pyramid for you guys i'm sorry chattanooga and middle tennessee state back to back is a tough double here here's our makeup for chattanooga uh chattanooga scored 107 points over tennessee wesleyan um, and we're just going to highlight a couple of other guys. Trey McLean put up his best Josh Hart impersonation. He had 17 points in 15 minutes. He's one of those senior leaders on the team, along with 6'10", Justin Toyo, 15 points per game, 8 boards per game, and Greg Pryor, 13 points per game. This team was live last March, and they're going to be again. You mentioned the senior guards uh, win games. McLean and Pryor, senior guards Maybe add this team to your holiday party conversation with Michigan. You'll look pretty smart in, Mar- in March. The mocks are an issue. They're tough. They're ready to play with anyone. And let's just throw that UNC game out when they lost by 30. Like, I think anybody would have lost that game by 30. And uh, you know what? I think we can just say that just shows how Joel, how good Joel Berry is. Um, do you think... Do you think you're ready to take it for a little walk down the ab after talking about the mocks and having a 100-point uh, club alert? On Broadway. I'm so fired up tonight. Maybe I need to get a drink on the way down the app. But, yeah, let's go to Broadway. We can get a, we can get a brown bag going for, um, for the walk down Broadway. Excellent. Um, uh, so I think that when we go down Broadway, the first place we have to stop, how are we not – Mentioning Grayson Allen's dunks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Grayson Allen did really put on a bit of a show. Uh, his, his, he's a, he's a great athlete, and I remember winning him winning that sort of high school slam dunk contest yeah, in the came yeah, to college. Yeah. You may have seen that on TV. But he threw down um, a ferocious one this past week. So, so, I mean, you can kind of – it's cool when you can take your pick of which one was the best one from the game. My favorite was the follow-up, and he did a little chin-up on the, on the rim uh, and then brought the feet up as well and then landed super athletically. But yeah. I, I, did, you, did you enjoy the one the one-handed where he kind of like got off balance and yes. then fell over? Yes, that was – Like that thing. was yes. really yes. aggressive. Because you, if you're going to take it, you take it hard, and he certainly did. Um you know, in, in fact, if, if this uh, Larry Nance Jr. dunk on top of Mark <laughs> Lopez didn't occur, I would probably say that's the best dunk of the week. But uh, Mr. Nance and his go-go gadget NBA gem-like arm on the NBA level took care of Mr. Lopez. But, um, yes, Grayson Allen, well done. Well done. Uh, do, I don't know if we need to, like, dive into this because you've already attacked people for not ranking Baylor higher. Uh, higher. Uh, but the top ten rankings – for the second week in a row, go unchanged. So I think that shows some consistency with our top teams. Mm -hmm. I think that also shows some uh, the lack of volatility with these top teams. And maybe these top teams are really pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I'm teaching my daughter tonight that three is greater than six. I didn't know that because uh, UCLA has three first place votes and they're second and Baylor is six first place votes and they're fourth. So that's fine. I, l- new math. The new math is in. That's all we're looking for. We're looking for a little mic. Right Moving now. on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
so the big game this weekend, uh, or one of the big games this weekend, is going to be number seven UNC versus number six Kentucky. Talking of that unchanged top ten uh, that's existed for the last two weeks. Uh, you know what I think I'm going to call this game? I'm just going to call this game the Joel Berry value test game. Uh, if he plays and he's under 100%, obviously we can say, hey, Joel Berry was 100%. North Carolina's not going to win. If he doesn't play at all, then we can go go ahead and gauge this game and grade this game with, uh, oh, it was, it was UNC without Joel Berry. And if he plays and he's at 100%, and they actually are really competitive and maybe get a victory, then we say, oh, man, look at how valuable Joel Berry is. So I feel like he is the unbel- he is the variable in this whole contest. And there was a poll question that you put out uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, graded or asked uh, the listeners and the Twitter followers out there what was the best backcourt in the, uh, in the NCAA this year. Uh, we listed uh, UCLA with Ball and Alford. We listed uh, Kansas, who was the eventual winner, with Frank Mason III and Devontae Graham. Uh, we listed uh, Joel Berry and Nate Britt. Uh, and who was our fourth contestant in there? Do you remember who the fourth contestant was? Uh, with Kentucky, we had... Oh, with Kentucky, with uh, yeah, with uh, Fox and, and Monk. Um, so this matches up two of those four uh, giant backcourts that we thought could be the best in the nation. Um, I bet that we see a defensive stance, statement, uh, uh, a defensive uh, performance from Kentucky here attempting to slow down the U, uh, the UNC offense, which is going to try to break, which is going to try to post on the secondary break, which is going to try to get a whole bunch of t- paint touches and then kick back out for threes. Um, I, I think we're going to see a stronger, more together, uh, more committed defensive stand on Kentucky's side. But I'm kind of looking forward to the Briscoe-Jackson matchup. Uh, Jackson's been playing a little bit out of his head lately. Uh, Briscoe is kind of like their glue, go-to guy. You know he's going to be matched up against the best wing. Um, So if we just put the backcourt matchup aside, I think the Briscoe-Jackson matchup might be worth watching alone. And then if we don't bring up the big man matchup down low, we uh, we have... Hicks and Tony Bradley, and they're going to match up against Bam Adebayo. I think that has whoever stays out of foul trouble has the advantage written all over it. I mean, if if there, there's so many things to pay attention to in this game, and we didn't even bring up the coaches yet. I mean, the the coaching matchup here is a zillion wins versus a zillion wins, uh, a number of t- you know a, a national title versus two national titles. What else could you possibly want from this matchup from these two blue bloods? There's so many things that you need to pay attention to in this game if you're a college basketball fan that your eyes almost don't know where to go to to get the the value from watching this game that you that that you want. So. What are you going to pay attention to? Yeah, we're, we're, you know what? I just hope Barry plays. The cast, the uh, the boot is off. Justin Jackson says he feels optimistic about him playing. There was a report a few hours ago, you know, that they think it's up in the air. Roy Williams is going to say say nothing, of course. If it was Bill Belichick, he'd say even less. Uh, but I want to see Barry play because we live for games like this, right? We live for moments like this. These are two Hall of Fame coaches. It's in Vegas, which is the greatest city in America. We discussed that a while back. But I, this is just going to be a wonderful game, and I, I want Barry to play because if he doesn't play, I think it's very, very difficult for North Carolina. I right? think it's unbelievably difficult for yeah. them to win too. Um, and I'll tell you right now, you know who you know who really 
wants Barry to play himself. Yeah. He really it's wants to play in this game. Yeah, it's that, just, that, That's the type of guy he is. Yeah, Nate Britt's not going to bring make up the difference with the scoring. I, I just I hope Barry plays. I hope he's ready to go. But he was hurt, I think it was with December 4th against Radford. So uh, let's see if he's ready. You know, but Fingers crossed Saturday. Uh, so if... If Barry doesn't play, you can pay attention to those other matchups that we mentioned earlier, but we're really hoping that he plays. And, and again, screen the screener holds hope dearly, and we hope that Barry is healthy enough to play at a super competitive high level that he started out the season with, which was like an all-American-type level. Um, how about an old-school Big East matchup? We got Georgetown and Syracuse. And for me, and I'm sure for a bunch of the listeners out there, George to Georgetown-Syracuse just feels like really cozy really familiar like really ordinary like something that should happen all the time but it was a really commit it was a big commitment for both of these programs to go ahead and make this this game happen now that we're ACC and new big east um there's a little bit of turmoil in Georgetown land um with Copeland deciding he was going to transfer after this particular um uh grading season and he was a former five-star recruit, uh, big rotational player, starter for the Hoyas. Um, so I think that this turmoil is going to go one way or the other. And we kind of talked about this with uh, Arizona earlier, where either everybody's going to be unified and really buy in and be really committed, and it's going to create this urgency uh, with the team, or it's going to go the other way, and the Hoyas are going to be really scatterbrained, and they're going to be a little bit off-kilter, um, and not as focused because of the distraction. Um, and Syracuse could kind of use another big win on their resume here. Uh, they've been kind of building, building, building uh, their resume uh, going into the ACC season. And this win against Georgetown with Pryor playing really out of his head, the Robert Morris transfer has been playing unbelievably well. Uh, he's one of the top 20 scorers in the nation currently for Georgetown. Um, they could use this win, but I'll tell you what. Because of the turmoil in Georgetown, Georgetown is dying for this win. Um, so this old-school old Big East matchup is just what the doctor ordered for people like us that are looking forward to um, like rekindling uh, that old-school, like maybe a, an MSG matchup back in the day uh, with Derek Coleman and, and Patrick Ewing. Um, so I'm just looking to reminisce with this game more than anything. Yeah, whenever Syracuse and Georgetown get together, it's a great, great game. I, totally agree with you 100%. This is a game Syracuse needs. All right, Syracuse was a, a team. They made the Final Four last year. They have players back. Um, they have the transfer in from, uh, was it White White from uh, Nebraska? He, so, he, he's Andrew, playing really well yeah, outside. They need this win. Okay, they got to stop messing around here. Um, they, they lost this year to South Carolina. Again, with Sindarius Thornwell. Um, Re- recurring theme here on this particular podcast. They got shredded against Wisconsin. Um, they had a terrible loss in MSG to UConn. So they're 6-3. and three. They need this win badly. The game is home. It's noon. It's Saturday. It's Syracuse. The Carrier Dome. This is not a game as much as Pryor's out of his mind that Georgetown can win. Syracuse needs a win. and should be a double-digit win. I think they're going to get it. Ooh, I, I kind of like the little prognostication from Mike Randall there. Double-digit win for the Orange. Nice. Uh, Notre Dame, Purdue. Gotta love this meat and potatoes game. We got Notre Dame playing really well against Villanova uh, at the Rock this past weekend. Uh, and Purdue, uh, with their big guys down low, we have uh, Isaac Haas, Caleb Swanigan. Again, Caleb Swanigan, we called for the NBA, uh, for the NCAA uh, 
uh, rebounding title. He's in the mix. He's in the top ten. It's a little step away. He is averaging a double-double. Um, this game is going to be a resume builder for both of these teams. Um, Mike Bray would love to follow up a great performance against uh, Villanova with a win against another ranked t- team like Purdue. Purdue would love to notch up and rank up uh, another uh, a win against a ranked team like Notre Dame is now. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I think – Notre Dame's backcourt is going to be the difference. I think Bonzi Colson's going to do his thing down low against Caleb Swanigan. Um, I, I, I think that the, you know, it's going to get messy down there. But I'm going to tell you, I think the talent level for the Notre Dame Irish uh, in the backcourt, the steady p- play of Farrell, Mike Randall's guy, Steve Astoria, and I can see Beecham kind of going off here on the wing hitting a couple threes, then doing a pump fake, taking it to the hole, getting Haas in foul trouble. I can see Notre Dame kind of pulling out here with their wing and backcourt play. I'm call, I'm going to call for the Notre Dame win against the Purdue Boilermakers. And this game is in Purdue, right? So this would I, be, I'm, I'm calling for it on the road. Yeah, that's a bold statement. Yeah, and, but I, I agree with you. I think the key matchup is uh, VJ Beecham versus Edwards on the wing. I think that's what it's going to be. I. You know, Notre Dame is a team, it's Belmont on steroids, so they're going to hit threes on the road. Matt Farrell has really improved. He was the question mark coming in. I like the call. We really liked Purdue in the beginning of the year. Still still do. But a lot of turnovers now. They're struggling. I mean, listen, I, I think they, they're solid. I mean, certainly Swanigan and Haas are great inside, but... I don't think they're beating Michigan. Uh, you know, I don't think – I think Indiana's going to handle them. I I would be really impressed if they got this win against Notre Dame. This could change my opinion on them. Mm. You know, there's teams we go up and down, right? Mm-hmm. If we did like, you know, heating up or cooling, I'm cooling on Purdue. I liked what Notre Dame showed against Villanova. I agree sure. with you. With, it's a great call. I, I love the, the prediction. That would be a really nice win. I think it's going to be a win on the road. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a very live game. I think it's going to be very ultra competitive. But I think the skilled players in the backcourt for Notre Dame are going to be the difference makers here over the, the length uh, and muscle down low for Purdue. Uh, last game that we want to talk to on Broadway uh, has to be Butler in Indiana. Another interstate rivalry. Um, <laughs> Purdue, uh, uh, Butler came out on the losing end against Indiana State in this interstate uh, situation, as did Indiana. So they're coming in with kind of like the same black eyes and the same scars on their resume uh, from Indiana teams. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out in this Indiana powerhouse uh, matchup of number 18 Butler and number 9 Purdue. Uh, uh, number nine, Indiana. Uh, number eighteen, Butler uh, is going to represent the Big East really strongly. Uh, I love number nine, Indiana. Even with um, Blackman being a little bit um, a little bit injured, they get OG back. Uh, he's supposed to be back from injury, so it's kind of like they're trading positions. Um, you know, uh, Blackman's going to go to the IR. OG's going to come back and be active. Um, the difference here is going to be your guy, Thomas Bryant. Butler has nobody to match up with him down in the post. He's going to get a ton of paint touches. He's going to go out and shoot a couple threes. He's going to be kind of borderline unguardable in this game. I'm sure Shabiz and Martin are going to do their thing for Butler and be ultra competitive. 
but I just can't see Butler mustering up enough steam to stop the offensive machine that's Indiana. Yeah, this is a great, great game. It's Saturday, 5 o'clock. It's in Indianapolis, all right? Butler's 9-1. and one. Indiana's 8-1. and one. Indiana could, if they win this game and beat Butler, they will play Louisville on New Year's Eve with only one loss to Fort Wayne, which is bizarre, by the way, that we're saying that. But uh, this would be a great win for either team. It gets Butler to right the ship with yep. a huge win, or Indiana gives us a great game on New Year's Eve against Louisville with only one loss. So either way, this one, I, I don't have an opinion. I, I guess if you made me pick, I would go with Indiana. Sure. But I think Kellen Martin could explode because I'm not sold on Indiana's defense. Mm. What's up with Blackman? We yep. don't know. Um it's a good one, and I don't know how – I'm really just going to – you know, people criticize, oh, how you have to root for somebody. No, you don't. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah, I think this might be one of those ones where you sit back and enjoy it. Um, again, I'm calling for Thomas Bryant to go off 20-plus points and be the difference maker in this game down low and maybe even outside with a couple threes. Excellent. Sounds good. Um, we're going to go off-Broadway with our last preview, and uh, neither of these teams are ranked. They're teams that deserve attention. Uh, and there are teams that we've talked about before, but maybe not as in-depth, uh, uh, Dayton aside. We're going to go to Dayton Northwestern. This is a huge, huge, huge game for Northwestern come Selection Sunday. Mike Randall, why is this so big for Northwestern in the bigger picture for the whole entire season? Because Northwestern is one of only five Division One programs that have had basketball programs since the inception of the tournament in 1939. History lesson. What will our podcast be like in the 100th anniversary of the tournament? I hope we're both still alive, my friend, in, in 2039. I mean, I don't. what are we going to do? I, I don't know. I mean, we played a $100,000 pyramid. Maybe we'll really play a $100,000 pyramid. That'd be we'll phenomenal. Let us play. Uh, William & Mary, Army Citadel, St. Francis of New York, and Northwestern have never made the tournament. Shout out to the Tribe. The, yeah, this could be – and they had a chance a couple of years ago. Remember they were the one seed going in the tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, I the, do. Conference tournament colonial. Yeah. This could be Northwestern's best chance. The Big Ten is a little sort of spread out, a little parity maybe. We, we, we talked about it a little bit. Michigan State obviously is struggling a little bit. Ohio State seems down. Uh, Northwestern's 8-2. and two. Their only losses so far at Butler and Notre Dame and MSG. Two teams we mentioned earlier. Could this be the year? This game is in Chicago. It's the State Farms Legend Classic. Uh, I feel like they're going to need to get to 22 wins to have a shot. Now, remember last year they were 20-11. and 11. They lost to Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. They were only 8-10 and 10 in conference. They, they, they were live going into the tournament. If they won a couple games, it would have been you know at least a conversation. And every year it happens. People get excited because they want Northwestern to make it. Problem is, Gus, last year they were 11-2 and two before they started conference play. So it's not like this year's record is unheard of. Correct. Um, I'm sorry. They, they were uh, – this, this win – I'm sorry. Cut that. You know, last year they were 12-1 and before conference play started. Uh, but I feel like if they get this win, they could be 11-2, and which is similar before conference play. Um, so for sure, I, I just think this is a big one for Northwestern. I'd love to see them get it. Dayton has Cook back now, so they're going to be a little bit tougher. We, You know we love Dayton. We've talked about them from the first podcast we ever did. This is a big one. Uh, this would be a giant 
road win because it is in Chicago for Dayton. And it would be an unbelievable resume builder for Northwestern if they were to beat a live Dayton team. So ramifications all around the board for both programs, both teams, both coaches. Um, and then a couple other games we'll just like go with one-liners here uh, that are a little bit off-Broadway. Pay attention to Oklahoma State, Wichita State. Is Evans going to go big in that game, or do the Shockers D him up and really try to shut him down? Shockers by 20. Wow. Love the one-liner. Uh, we got Davidson going to number three, Kansas. Can't wait to watch Jack Gibbs against your first-team All-American prediction, Frank Mason the third. Frank Mason, 25. Kansas wins by 20, but bet the over. Ooh, bet the over. Okay. And then we got Wake Forest. Uh, versus number 17, Xavier. Xavier coming off two tough losses. Xavier can need a quality win here. This could be just what the doctor ordered for Xavier. uh, Prescription, Xavier by 20. Wow, Mike Randall with quick reacts on those. Holy smokes. angry. A cupcake. I want another one. Okay. uh, Hey, were you practicing that library voice? Shh. Keep it down, Sonny. This is a library, for goodness sake. We're heading to the library hold desk, people. Shh, quiet down. We're going to return the Players' Tribune piece from Bronson Caning. What I found at Standing Rock. Please renew it if you haven't consumed it yet. It's a yet, a, yet another unique item you can take from the Screen the Screener podcast to chat about at that holiday party conversation that lacks content. And while you're doing that, Google D. Snyder, who made a music video at Standing Rock, if you Google that video, I forget what it is, but if you Google D. Snyder. Is this the video, same D. Snyder from Twisted Sister? It is from Twisted Sister. You would not think I would know D. Snyder, and you would be correct to not know that. But I saw the video. He went up there. He filmed it. They were getting shot at while they were filming it. It's incredible. It just really brings out. Wow. It almost brought me to tears. It brought out the passion that those people have for their land, and they won. Unbelievable. D. Snyder mentioned on the podcast Twisted Sister. By Mike Randall. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so we're going to ask for you to go ahead and check out of the library Eric Fawcett's What If They Did Didn't Go Straight to the NBA on PressBasketball.com. It's a very cool what if for some of the NBA's biggest stars who made the jump straight from high school to the NBA. So the things I took away from this, and I'm not going to spoil it by any means, would there be different banners hanging in different gyms? Would dismissed coaches be viewed in a different light and still hold the current job that they had at the current time? Would LeBron save Jim Tressel's job? That's right, we asked that question. And it's well worth your view. Eric is a smart, talented writer worthy of your reading list and is definitely worthy of a hold at the library desk at the screen of screener library uh, hold desk. Um, he brings up a number of great items. Uh, Amari Steidelmeyer mentioned, LeBron James mentioned, uh, a number of other guys that made the jump. Um, so please go ahead. This is our next item at the library hold desk for the Screen the Screener. Yeah, great read by Screen the Screener friend uh, Eric Fawcett. You can find him on Twitter at e. Fawcett, E-F-A-W-C-E-T-T-7. He writes for Press Basketball. Love the read. The LeBron one was great. 
I did read once that he said he would go to Louisville, but I agree with Eric. He would definitely have went to Ohio State. He also came out and said he definitely would have. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really great article here. Enjoyed it. The what if. J.R. Smith, one of my all-time favorites. And I love how Eric said, like, another uh, volume shooter, Al- Allen Iverson. That's, like, the nicest right. thing you could right. say about he shoots too much. But it's fine. There, there's a number of things that you would enjoy in this read, so please go ahead. And, and, and it's a quick read. You don't have to invest a whole bunch of time with it. So uh, go ahead and check it out on uh, uh, basketballpress.com. Uh, Mike Randall, I think we've come to the end of this particular podcast, and we'd just like to throw out a couple thank yous. We want to thank uh, forever the technology department for helping us out. Technology. We also want to thank uh, our musical accompaniment, uh, Bell Jar. Thanks for bringing in in and out of every podcast. Love you guys. If you haven't checked them out on iTunes, please do. B E L J A R, Bell Jar. Um, and we want to thank you guys, the audience. Thank you so much for plugging us into your earbuds and giving us a chance and, and, and forwarding the screen the screener uh, positive vibe that we're trying to send out there to you guys. Uh, we're very thankful that you guys are tuning in. We're thankful that you guys are sharing, and we're thankful that you guys are uh, following us on Twitter, uh, listening to us on iTunes, at Stitcher, Tuned In Radio. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We're humbled. And, guys, please email the show, sdspodcast at gmail. Follow the show at sdspodcast on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, rate us, please. Five-star ratings if you enjoy what we're doing here. We love it. We're passionate about it. Tremendous. And uh, we do promise to read emails from the listeners next week. That is an absolute lock-up uh, 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 promise from, from Mike Randall and Gus Kearns that we, we will read some of those emails and answer them for you the best that we can, uh, even if we are threatened with a non-college basketball question. Oh, bring it. Bring any sport that you want. All right, let's bring this podcast to a close the only way that would be appropriate on this very day. Mike, does Craig Sager slip the screen? He slips the screen, he screens the screener, and he does it in those incredible suits that we'll never forget. Craig, thank you for everything. Thank you for your passion. And speaking of passion, we will leave today in a tribute to Craig Sager with D. Snyder's So What? The pipeline's been saved. D. Snyder, Bronson Koenig, Craig Sager, cheers. Change. Screen the Screener Podcast. Man, does he look good doing it, too. With a head full of rage And a soul that don't need to be saved Not afraid To be one as we stand on our own As a feed us the- Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.